Welcome to Act 3, the podcast where we explore how to thoughtfully shape the rest of our lives. I'm your host, Kara Gray. This podcast is sponsored by Good Morning Freedom, my retirement coaching service where I help executives and professionals plan their Act 3. For more information, stay tuned until the end. Today, I welcome Dina Grushkin to the podcast. Dina has spent 36 years as a special education, middle and high school teacher in New Jersey's public schools, reaching students who felt ambivalent in a classroom setting and making them feel successful was her mission. She did that by building trusting relationships and designing learning experiences that helped them meet with success. Following her retirement from teaching, Dina is working as a part-time educational consultant for the New Jersey Educational Association. In addition to her consultant work, Dina is continuing her work as the founder and CEO of the Dream School Foundation, an organization that supports public education in Nigeria with educational resources and infrastructure. Dina also teaches yoga to adults in addiction recovery, women who are over 50, and mamas-to-be. Besides her love for teaching, Dina's greatest joy is her beautiful family, including her two dogs, Julie and Isaac, who frequently join her on the mat. So welcome, Dina. Welcome to you as well. This is very exciting. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, cool. It's great to have you. So you retired um, officially in 2018. I did. And I want to back up a little bit. I always start with what your life looked like pre-retirement. You were teaching, you had a family. Tell me your your weekly schedule, your daily schedule, what your life looked like? Well, um, I started teaching at the age of 20. Wow. And uh, yes, in fact, I was a high school teacher then, so my students were not much older than I was. <laughs> so it was uh, very interesting and exciting. Um, and then I, I had led a 36-year uh, career in teaching. I did take a break for two and a half years uh, when I my daughter was born and then my son followed uh, her uh, two years later, and then I returned to teaching. And so um, I accumulated about 36 years in public education, working uh, special ed mm -hmm. is my area. Um, but I did a lot of, um, you know, there's lots of, lots of changes in special education, how it was delivered, um, you know, in the, in the past couple of decades. I can't yeah, yeah, I can imagine. My mom was actually a special education teacher, so but she's many, many years retired. Um, so I'm not surprised to hear that there's been some progress made. Yeah. Laws and of course every state, you know, sort of delivers differently. But teach but New Jersey was always really um in the forefront of of, you know, uh, special ed advocacy and really working in the best interest of kids and, you know, providing for them the least restrictive environment. So I worked in some really great schools and I had some really fantastic experiences. And I, I worked in self-contained classrooms, you know, where kids were with me all day. And then I did what they called is a resource room where they would come in a period, and then they would go out into the mainstream. And then I was part of a pilot program in New Jersey, uh, the, this inclusion model which started back in uh, to about 2000 and what was Rebecca Board? 1989, something like that. Right. And so um, 
And that was when uh, kids uh, who, who could uh, handle the rigors to the degree of the mainstream content with support from a special ed teacher um, who would adapt and modify curriculum in order for them to be successful in the mainstream. And so that became, you know, the new latest wave of special ed. And so I sort of stayed in that space for the remainder of my career. Um, and it was uh, a, a beautiful one. I loved teaching. Um, you know, I always say that, you know, I wake up in the morning and there were very few days here I was, you know, like, well, oh, you know, I got to go to work. Um, I never, you know, I never really felt that way. I was always excited um, to go there and, and uh, you know, do my thing. And um, I have, and my, you know, my greatest um, interest um, was really working with kids who really were quite challenged academically, just really having a hard time. Um, smart kids, but just, you know, not able to access uh, the curriculum and feel successful at it. And so um, I really enjoyed making that happen for them and making them feel good about school and good about learning. And, um, you know, so that was really just an incredible, you know, uh, a time working with, you know, really just unbelievable kids. I, you know, I see, I see them, you know, uh, I'm sort of out of, out of school teaching now uh, locally for about four years. So, you know, I don't see kids as much on the street or in the supermarket, you know, as much as I used to because, you know, they're all grown and grown. But I used to always enjoy running into them. And um, and occasionally I still do. In fact, I ran into some kid last week in the park. And he's like, hey, Miss Brushkin. And I'm looking at him and I'm like, how do I remember him? He remembered me, but I didn't remember him. Well, then he wasn't he wasn't the worst or the best of the lot then. <laughs> in his face so you know that was really great um and it was a beautiful career um i you know and of course you know what happens uh, like in many jobs um you know your the your people you work with become your family yep well you know so i had a lot of really rewarding um relationships with with colleagues and things that still continue today and so uh you know i feel really blessed to have chosen a, a wonderful career i do get upset. You know, I mean, the field has changed a lot. Certainly COVID has dampered it considerably. And um, that just always is discouraging to me and saddens me a bit. Um, you know, so when I find someone who's, who's going to be a teacher and I encourage them and I, you know, try to get them excited about it, because I still think it's, it's a great career. It really is. It's a great career. Yeah. Did you have a moment or a, a, a sense of like, I want, like, it's time to retire? And then did you start making a plan or how did that, how did your retirement date transpire? Well, I am 36 years, a long time. I mean, I said, in terms of pension wise, I met the age and um, the uh, years yep. to get a, to, to retire with a full pension. Yep. And that was an incentive. Um, excuse me, I was also feeling, um, the, 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 the way education was being delivered, is being delivered, has changed a lot over the years. There's a lot of testing and data-driven instruction, um, a lot of scripted programs and, um, things that we were required to do that just, I felt like I couldn't be as creative as I used to be. Uh -huh. And so that frustrating for me. Although, you know, I mean, on some level, that's also a little bit of a cop out because, you know, once the doors are closed, you, you know, there you do have 
a lot of, you know, a certain degree of latitude in how you, how you deliver. But I did feel some of the constraints of that uh-huh. it somewhat contributed to it. Um, I also felt like um, I was, let's see, I'm 64 now. So I was 60 uh, when I made that decision. And um, I had something going on in my life, uh, my African, uh, my humanitarian work. And I felt like if I wanted to devote myself to it completely, um, and I can tell you that story in a minute, yeah. um, and or recreate myself. I always knew that I needed to continue to work financially and emotionally was really important for me. I'm a, I'm a sort of a worker, worker horse. Um, I like to be busy. I like to be stimulated. Um, I'm not a person who sits around and, and uh, you know, watches... Uh, you know, reality TV. Although I do do that. I do a little of that at night. <laughs> I think um, we all do at this point. <laughs> you know, I grew up in a, in a very um, productive type of family. You know, my parents were always working and, and doing, and um, that was just sort of drilled into me for better or worse. Um, and, and it feeds me. I, uh-huh. I, like, I like to be stimulated. And so, um, so I felt like um, if I was going to make a move, and still be uh, strong physically and emotionally, then I should do it now yeah. rather than wait. And now yeah. I've seen colleagues of mine, you know, uh, into their 60s and 70s, late 70s, still teaching. I do see that and, and quite productive. But um, I didn't want to come, come to that. And then at the end of that, like, well, what do I do now? So I felt like I, if I was going to, sort of do a, a, a reset and sort of change things for myself and um, that I needed to do it now. And so that's really was the impetus. And so I worked it out for myself. What was happening was um, in 2004, I had visited Nigeria. And so this is sort of how this segues into it. Uh-huh. Um, I was the president of a residential facility for pregnant teens here in Tina. Um, and the pastor of the church was a missionary. He traveled all over the world. Um, his next trip was Nigeria. And uh, because I always, I'm a photographer as well. Um, I wanted to travel there. I thought, oh my God, this is an incredible experience. This is not an easy country to access on your own. Here I have somebody who knows the country, knows people. It's a perfect opportunity for me. And so I asked him if I could tag along. And I asked my school district if I could go. And they gave me the leave unbelievable. Um, and I went and prior to leaving, I raised uh, some money because I know I didn't want to go empty handed. I knew I wanted to visit schools and see, you know, what was going on. Um, I was especially interested in how they navigated special education because that was my area of interest. Um, and so I raised about five grand um, and I went for about two weeks, a week and a half or so, I think, kind of sort of forget. Um, and I was uh, blown away by what I saw. Um, just uh, remarkable kids, smart, curious about the world, but frustrated because the, the opportunities for them are limited. Yeah, uh, it's hard to get out of that country for one thing. Uh, the resources are limited. Uh, you know, you got tons of kids and it's sitting on, you know, one bench, no resources, very few books, very few pencils. Uh, it's extreme. And yeah. uh, I saw that and I was like, that really hit me. And um, I said, you know what, maybe I can be of some assistance. I did have that money and I, 
I went to the teachers and I had them create a wish list for me. I went out and I bought everything they asked for. Um, they came back, I came back with it and they were blown away by it. And I, they were shocked that I should do that. And so I was really uh, blown away by um, their reaction to it. You know, um, yeah. I, I said, well, this feels really good. <laughs> Back on the plane, and um, I said, you know what, I'm going to create an organization, see if I can be of more assistance. And I came back, and I did. I separated myself from the church organization because I did not want to be a faith-based organization. I created a 501c3, and then I began my work. And I've been working in Nigeria for over 20 years, um, going every year um, and doing the kinds of things like buying uniforms and buying books and building furniture. And I once uh, brought 10,000 books carried by the U.S. Navy, um, installed 12 libraries in public schools. Um, I built four schools, educating about 5,000 kids. Um, uh, we've sent kids to college. I've got 10 kids in college, five of whom have already graduated. Um, so we've made a tremendous impact. Um, they are public schools. I'm a public school educator. I believe that governments should educate their kids. That's their responsibility and not mine. But, you know, you need a little help with infrastructure. That's where I felt that I came in. Um, but these schools still need maintenance. So, you know, while, while I don't pay teacher salaries, um, I do continue to support these schools with uh, things that break down. You know, things break down. It's a, it's a rough terrain. So, Things need to be painted, roofs need to be patched, water systems need to be fixed. And so, um, you know, my support continues. Uh, we run all kinds of programs in the schools, literacy programs, college prep programs, social entrepreneurship programs. And so, you know, I never, ever, 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 ever thought that this would happen from, you know, that first visit to 2004, but, um, you know, uh, we we started something and, uh, you know, just people just came on board and supported it. Um, I was very, very lucky to have a very generous benefactor who saw the value of the work, saw that I was delivering on his dollar, um, you know, very low, ver low overhead, um, you know, pretty much everything he donated besides salaries um, went to the kids. And so, um, you know, it was a, it was a great um, opportunity for him to really put his money in a good place and see things happen. Um, the organization has, unfortunately, um, come to a screeching halt. Uh, my benefactor has uh, backed out for uh, uh. personal reasons, of which I understand, um, but I'm extremely grateful to him. So I've been trying to keep this organization afloat. It's been very challenging. I'm still looking for somebody with big bucks who's willing to write me a, a nice check so that I can keep all this, this work going. Um, but I'm also um, prepared to let it go and close it up. And so uh. in an interesting place. So the point of the matter is, let me just set you back. Um, when I left teaching, I did so because I knew that I asked him, this benefactor of mine, can I uh, draw a salary from the money that, I'm, that you're giving, donating to the cause? And he said yes. And so um, that supported me for a long, you know, for several years. And it was super great. Um, and now uh, that, that has come to a, <laughs> that has come to a crashing halt. 
And so, you know, I need to work. And so what do I do? Uh, I got to find a job. And so um, now I'm working. Uh, you know, I'm still trying to raise money, but I'm also now, you know, taking care of myself over here. Um, and so my, my uh, retirement has shifted um, from humanitarian work to a different kind of, a different kind of job, which I'll share with you now. Yeah. Uh, so that's an incredible journey. And I love that you like had the purpose already in place um, before you officially retired. So, I mean, you had things in motion, you had something that was inspiring and feeding you um as part of the process that's often where the the gap is like people are just so into their jobs and then when they leave it and all the social connections and everything that's happened there um it ends up you know being a difficult time so i i'm sorry to hear that things are pivoting for you um but i have no doubt that you're going to find something else or another benefactor will show up magically um, for you. So, um, yes, but tell me, tell me what you're doing now. Tell me the next, the next phase. If that doesn't happen, like I said, I can sleep at night. Yeah. Um, because, you know, the schools are public schools so that they are running without me. Yeah. Things that we've been able to do there, unfortunately cannot continue. But then again, the schools that we built were built in very remote areas where there were no high schools. Um, and that's what we were building was high schools. And, and so the government seeing that came in and started to build some schools in this area. So the mission really, quite honestly, has been met. Yeah. You know? And so I'm not disappointed at all. I'm like really proud of like what we were able to initiate. I mean, I think we, you know, we were like a catalyst, right? Yeah. That's how things work. And so I'm very, very proud. Um, you know, it's hard because the work was so exciting. You know, um, it's just like ridiculously exciting to see um, things change, you know, and um, opportunities open for kids. You know, I mean, it's like there's nothing more exciting for me to receive an email. And I do on a daily basis from my kids in college about the things that they're doing and, you know, places they're going, the opportunities and they're opening up for them. So I can sleep easy at night. I'm not worried about that. You know? um, and yeah. I have beautiful pictures. Um, you know, to document the work and I've been able to bring my children there. And so I feel really, really satisfied with what has been done. And so I can, I, you know, if I have to close that chapter of my life, that's okay. Yeah. It's really okay. Um, and so, um, so here I am jobless, right? <laughs> so I'm a little in a panic. So what do I do? What do I do? Yeah. Um, so, um, when I was teaching, I, um, Actually, I, I got divorced in 2013. Congratulations. Congratulations, right? And so, um, yeah. I'm also happily divorced, so I say that. <laughs> I discovered the, 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 uh, the thing that I discovered that saved my ass uh, was uh, yoga and meditation. Um, uh -huh. It really pulled me through a dark time in my life. Um, and it... Um, it, it brought me something that um, is unforgettable and that will sustain me for the rest of my life. And so um, I saw the value in myself and, and the transformative power in myself. And so I brought it into my classroom and I started teaching, you know, doing yoga and meditation in my classroom with my kids. And I could not believe um, how powerful a practice it is with kids. Uh, in fact, I never really had 
problems maintaining behavior in my classroom, but I do have to say that it is the best behavioral tool I ever used. Wow. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so um, kids loved it um, and uh, they asked for it. And um, it was, you know, I became, I was like the mindfulness, you know, like, you know, horse whisperer in school. And so I started, you know, teaching other teachers and I started doing workshops. I was doing workshops at Rutgers um, and showing teachers how to infuse mindfulness into their classrooms. <laughs> Small practices that, you know, without disrupting, you know, all of the responsibilities that teachers already have, right? And so, you know, again, this is a trend that, you know, the schools are picking up, um, but, you know, doing it in ways in which I thought, um, I don't know, I felt like I had a really good recipe for success with this, with the way I was delivering it. Mm -hmm. And so I created an organization called the Conscious Classroom. And I thought that what I would do was um, I would uh, sell myself like as a wellness coach. Pretty cool, right? Yeah. To school, do you hire me? And um, I go into classrooms and I help teachers infuse these practices into their classrooms. Now, um, the only experience I had was my own experience in my own public school system. And so it made it very challenging for me. I was not a large organization there, and there were many, you know, mindfulness schools. There are very large organizations doing yeah. um, And so it was very challenging for me, and I was getting very frustrated. I had built a curriculum that I was really proud of. And so um, I was like, all right, this is not working for me very well. Um, during COVID, I got my yoga certification, yoga 200 hours cert, cert. And so I was, you know, I had certifications in that. I had certifications in trauma-informed yoga, uh, but still it was very challenging. Okay. So um, after I got my yoga certification, I got a job working in recovery, in adults in addiction recovery. Besides my teaching, this is the greatest job I've ever had. Wow. The greatest job I've ever had. Um, in fact, I'm going tonight and I'm excited, beyond excited. I, I tell them sometimes, you don't have to pay. I mean, under my breath, I'm like, if you didn't pay me, I wouldn't care. I'd show up anyway. Um, yeah. But also, I'll take your money. Keep paying me. Exactly. Um, it is, uh, it's transformative, you know. Um, you know, obviously the idea is that, um, experience, um, is gets, we experience life through our bodies, not just in our minds. Right. right. And, um, if we don't, uh, if we don't talking, talking and talking and talking about it, um, is helpful, but if we don't process it, the experience through our bodies, we're, we won't really heal entirely. And yeah. so. You know, that's really the premise behind it. And so movement is essential. Movement is medicine. And so um, I, every time I teach, I experience it with them. You know, there's just this shift. And um, I often get people who have never done it before. So it's really exciting to see how they experience it for the first time and how excited they get and how good they feel. And so I really feel like, wow, this is my niche. Like, this is super great. And so I'm doing that. Um Three days a week, um, I teach yoga in a yoga studio uh, uh, to women over 50 because I also um, I work on, uh, you know, issues that are, uh, that address the issues of aging gracefully, right? Uh, you know, keeping us strong, working on our balance, working on our resilience, 
um, working on stress, working on uh, strengthening the pelvic floor. And so I do that in the studio. I do that at home. And I also teach yoga um, to the elderly in a um, wellness center at Englewood Hospital, um, which is also a super great job. Like I walk in there and they're like so happy to see me. They're just so excited. You know, it's just like they're adorable and they're sweet and they love it. And um, so I do that. And I also teach prenatal yoga. So I like the niches of yoga because um, I like the therapeutic aspect of it because I think it's it just works, you know? Yeah. You know, my daughter's pregnant, so obviously we work together. But um, I also have my own private clients. And, um, you know, I have this uh, this uh, method that um, I use that uh, really works on opening the pelvic floor. And so it's just, a you know, it's a wonderful, wonderful practice um, that really helps women prepare for a, what I call a boring, unremarkable birth, right? Um, and so, so I'm teaching a lot of yoga, like a lot of yoga. Um, and so yoga's great, but yoga doesn't pay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd get paid relatively decently, but it doesn't make up for the money that I lost when I dropped my humanitarian job. Okay, so is the whole picture sort of coming together? Right? It is, but, but the, or the theme here is that you keep finding these really juicy, passionate projects that are lighting you up. Yeah, exactly. So, that's, I mean, that's... Here. That is inspiring, but you know, I understand the money too. I mean, that's a thing. Exactly. And so no, there, no, there's no way. And I've already committed, said to myself in retirement, I am not going to do anything that I am not passionate about. Perfect. That, I mean, that's really essentially it. You know, don't stick me to Trader Joe's. I'm not going to beg, you know, even though I really don't mind bagging groceries. Those people always seem really happy. There is something very meditative about it, but um. No, I have to do something that, you know, that is feeding my body and my mind and my soul. Yes. And so those things are, you know, and I'm a teacher. And so, you know, like I want to keep teaching and this is like, this is it. Anyway, so hence the last part of the story. Um, so I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm thinking, uh, maybe I can find a job in the humanitarian sector. I built an international educational organization. Somebody must need me. That was really challenging. Um, really having a hard time uh, finding something like that. Although, you know, I gave it a really good try. Um, and then I said, Dina, um, this is it. And so my friend um, said to me, you know what, Dina? Why don't you look at uh, the teachers union in New Jersey, the NJEA. New, Teacher- New Jersey teachers union happens to be one of the strongest unions in the country. Um, they are an extremely liberal organization. They are doing things uh, with teachers and school districts that are unheard of throughout the rest of the country. And they're very powerfully, uh, very powerful um, from a political standpoint, lobbying um, for uh, all kinds of programs. And, um, and so it's, 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 it's a pretty remarkable organization, private organization, but it's the teachers union. Yeah. Uh, and so I applied for a job there as an educational consultant. I applied for the job in May. I got, it was nine months of waiting. I had to go through like these rigorous interviews. I had to do a written interview that was like, 
and it was like a thesis. And then I had to do a presentation and then I had to do an a, uh, interview. Now I have to tell you, I thought I nailed the first two pieces of it. And the interview came and this woman threw a question at me right at the beginning. And I was like, she threw me. The question just threw me. And it sort of tone for the rest of the interview. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation before. Yes, I have. <laughs> I get that interview and I'm like, shit, I did not get that job. I was so upset. And guess what? I got the job. <laughs> anyway, so. Yeah, it's always, it, we always think it's worse than it actually is. I mean, that's. I didn't want to say anything to her after I met her, but, but once I got comfortable with her and I'm like, Amanda, like, really? Yeah, I can't believe you hired me. <laughs> I the worst interview ever. She goes, oh, Tina, you were great. I'm like, oh, girl. Okay. But you know what I felt like in that interview? You know when they interview beauty queen? I'm not a beauty queen. But you know when they interview like, beauty contestants? You know, they, yeah. call, they ask them a question. And the question often is something like, that's really simple. That's like way over their head. Yeah. And, and they're like, blah, 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 and they like flub it. And they're like, they smile. They have a smile on their face. But you know that they, what they're saying makes no sense. That's exactly how I felt. I felt like I made no sense, but I kept that smile on my face. Yeah. You're like, okay, I just, I don't know what's coming out. <laughs> what is the world's worst? You know? Yeah. And I'm like, bing, 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 bing. oh my goodness. At the job. And I start tomorrow. I'm thrilled. And oh, so congratulations. And you know, well done for staying the course and hanging in there and, you know, knowing that so the cool thing about the job is that the organization, my conscious classroom job, which I was trying to get off the ground, I can do all of that work here. Oh, perfect. Exactly. So the NJEA has, a, has, a, has an organization within it called the Access Model. And what they do is they identify districts in the state of New Jersey that are in need of improvement. You know, yeah. these districts are really on the edge, on the cusp of losing federal funding. Yeah. Right, exactly. And so, um, and actually it's not federal funding. What happens is they um, lose their status and the government has to come in and take over the school <laughs> in order to raise the, the bar. Mm. And, um, there are two districts in New Jersey that have been identified in need of improvement. One is Camden and one is Trenton. And so um, I'm going to be working in Trenton. And so my job is to go into Trenton and I am like a coach. I coach teachers. Uh, we identify areas of the school that are need attention. And those could be teachers who need support, who are struggling. They could be areas that um, the schools are, diff are, are, are struggling with, uh, student performance, um, issues of racial inequity. Um, uh, anything that needs to be addressed and, and, and given support, um, in order to raise the standards and raise the performance of kids, um, in order to raise the, uh, social emotional issues around teachers and kids, um, and getting everybody sort of back on track post COVID because the schools yeah. have taken such a hit. Um, and kid, you know, there's so much um, angst and uh, deregulate. You know, kids are deregulated and teachers are deregulated, and so um, it's an opportunity to go in and do some really good work. Um, and and this program has made some remarkable 
uh, movement in that area and uh, really brought a lot of the schools that we worked in out of that, 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 that red zone of, of sports. Um, and so I start tomorrow. And so I'm really excited. I'm working with this an amazing um, team of, of teachers. Um, um, and so with, between that and um, my yoga, you know, all is good. All is good. Well, so congratulations good. again. I think that this is a fantastic next step, an incredibly inspiring story for my listeners. And also, they are lucky to have you. Uh, you know, you are going to go in and and make things happen there that that need that need to be done. And that's it's really exciting. They're they're lucky. And I want to thank you so much for your time today. Um, I where can people find out more information in case that in case that new benefactor is listening right now? <laughs> you have a beautiful website. Thank you. Yeah, and I'll put a link to it. Um, it's, I think the the Dream School Foundation dot org dot com. Yep. Okay, dot org, and I will put a link to that in the show notes on on uh, this episode, and we'll make sure that people know how to find you, um, and can check that all out because that work, um, you know, it would be lovely if that could keep going. Um, but I I respect your tenacity and your ability to pull beautiful projects into your life. Um, I think that's something that's worth waiting for and something that people who are retired shouldn't settle for doing something that's not going to really be juicy and inspiring and worth their time. Um, I've I've always, um, you know, I get a lot of uh, lovely accolades, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's 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 very nice, and I appreciate the the the, the sweet things people say to me. But I also want to say that um, you know you don't have to go as big as as I have gone. I know yeah. you know people hear my story and they're like, "What?" You know, um, and I remind them that um, you know there's right in your backyard. You know there are ways in which you can give back and do good in the world. Um, and just, you know, if it's, if, if, if it's, you touch one person or two people, it doesn't matter. It's just look for ways in which you can be of good, of, of help and support because, um, that's what we need to do. That's, that's the only way we're going to all get through all this, you know, so it doesn't have to be big, uh, big is big is nothing. That's not the point. The point is that do something that feels good and makes someone else feel good. That's it. That's what life is uh, really all about. I love that. Thank you so much, Tina. It's been a pleasure to speak with you. You're very welcome. This podcast is sponsored by Good Morning Freedom, my retirement coaching firm. I help executives and professionals plan the non-financial part of their retirement, like how to discover new purpose and how you want to spend your time. I offer a one-on-one coaching retirement blueprint package where we work together to discover some new avenues of exploration for your Act 3. This coaching is completely custom and will provide you with a ton of resources and support as you transition to this new stage of life. For all the details, please go to goodmorningfreedom.com services.